Hi guys, my name is Alicia. My name is Helena. My name is Kiki. I'm Mariana and you're listening to Books and Bonnets where we talk about all things books and blackness. Today we're going to be talking about race and the church and we're going to explore it through MLK Jr's letter from Birmingham Jail where he vents his frustrations with the white church in their complacency with the treatment of black people in Southern America. So there's no structure to this episode because it's not one that's been practiced. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just going to ask you guys like your first thoughts, like your thoughts of the text in general. Keeks? Well, it was a very interesting book, to be quite honest. Um, MLK was definitely doing his thing with this book. To be honest, he does a lot. He does well to explain like the oppression of black people in America. He he speaks so eloquently. I think there's only one thing that I would like disagree with him on, mm. but for the rest of it, I can't lie. He's he says some things. He says some things. Mariana. Yeah, I can't lie. The way in which he presented his points, like the language he used, fantastic. I also liked how you could see his anger because we're used to seeing MLK through a lens of like non-violence, but he was, he was angry. Stray bullets were hitting other <laughs> black leaders of yeah. the time. Like for someone who was in prison, yeah, it was very well written letter. But I mean, he didn't go to like the prison because he was in prison. He went. I think it says somewhere in the text that, like, where he's like, oh, are they wondering why I'm writing to you from Birmingham Jail? And he's basically just like, how, where, I don't remember where he, he's like, where he is, things are, like, better, but, like, he's seen the, like, treatment of black people in the South and he can't ignore it, which is where he goes on to say, like, um, I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta, yes, and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Injustice every anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. See, I thought he was in a cell somewhere writing this. No, but he was in a cell writing it. He I'm had gone sure to Birmingham was. and they'd had a sitting or something. And yeah, because at the arrested. end he's like, yeah. when he wrote this prison. on newspaper that police officers like were giving them. He wrote it on newspaper in the lines of newspaper and then published it after. Come and see AOC. Yeah, yeah that's why he said oh, yeah. um, um, you, it, in the prison cell there's nothing but time yeah, to write yeah, and pray. Long prayers, long thoughts. Something like that. See, he didn't say that in the first part of the book. Like, oh, no, By the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, last page, yeah. Scandal. I didn't even... Anyway. Anyway. But, um... Helena, your thoughts? So, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I read it before when I was in A-level, so to revisit, it was actually quite a like good experience for me. Can um, I just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna interject and say, while well, all of the rest of us found time to read it, uh, Helena decided that she's too good for us. And no, not true. Really? Not true, guys. You guys are my priority. It's just, you know, the feds are banging at my door. Oh, wow. My goodness. Bills to pay, people to see, <sighs> do you know what I mean? So that's the only reason why I didn't do it. But I didn't reread it with the knowledge of what I just had at A-level in it. So it's not like I've never seen this text before in my life. Mm. Like, I know it. I skimmed it, but I didn't have the time to do the in-depth analysis that my fellow comrades have. But, um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this letter. I think it made me respect him a little bit more because on the surface, um, like, civil disobedience and non-violence to me was a bit... was not my favourite method of black liberation. Um, I'm more of a fan of Malcolm X and 
do violence when violence is done onto you. I say burn it all down. But um, I do agree, <laughs> like the world of fire, but um, I do agree with his philosophy of like exposing injustice and like forcing people to actually come to terms with what's happening and therefore that prompts change. So um, I do agree with that. And I also liked how he speaks about the black church being like, he essentially describes the black church is position in black culture, how important that is and how also on the level of like safe spaces in the community, these churches and like other religious spaces were purposefully targeted as well. And I think that's a very important point. Yeah. I think just on that, on the topic of like the way um, you speak about like where he positions the black church, I think the thing I found really interesting about the text and the thing that like I questioned quite a bit was the way he speaks on the position of the white church um mm-hmm. and i found that really interesting because me myself as a as a christian i mean i can sit here and i can say like as a christian intrinsically is it not like your moral duty to help exactly. everyone in terms of like where injustice is um mm. and so when i was when i read this because i've reread this as well when i read it the first time i found it really interesting and i thought from the perspective of like a white um church leader is it not like would it not have been a little bit i don't know like a like two warring ideals within yourself mm. one in which like you are positioned in society in a place of superiority mm. in the way like the structures of the state are set up as mm. opposed to like your religious beliefs in like christ of the love everyone notion and everything i found that really interesting because me myself i can sit here and say oh if i was there and i was like a church leader i would have helped out as much as i can but mm-hmm. i feel like I, I say that because i am black and i would have you know i can only go with the knowledge i have now and my identity now but it was just really interesting the way he like vented his frustrations at the white church in particular because it's like we're all brothers like he was trying to get across the point yeah. that we're all brothers and sisters in christ so how are you sitting there and there's blatant injustice and evil going on and you're trying to justify it um, and he even went on to talk about how some of them even use, like, God and religion to mm. justify, um, not the oppression as per se, but, mm. like, the treatment against black people for wanting to stand up for themselves. Mm. But just to, like, add on to that, I think that's where the systemic dehumanisation of black people comes in. Like, Jesus, like, in the Bible, it talks about my fellow brothers and sisters, all of that, but black people aren't human to them. Mm. Like, even if, even if, even if they think, like, objectively that, that, like, they believe that we're all human, subconsciously, something has been taught in them that they don't actually view you in that way. So you're not their brother and sister. You're the equivalent to something subhuman, and therefore the teachings of the Bible don't apply to you. Jesus didn't say, like, we should treat animals the same way we treat humans. So if they view you as an animal, they don't have the same level of sympathy, empathy, they don't like regard you in the same light and therefore the teachings of Christianity don't apply to you. Mm. Like, does that make sense? And also, yeah, that's like one of the main reasons why I think that there's not necessarily that conflict for them. Especially because if you remember in slavery, they used to justify slavery through like um Bible passages and like passages that said that you're allowed to have slaves, you're allowed to like um punish using force all of that Old Testament sort of, Mm. like, overbearing, like, very violent, like, methods of oppression and control. 
and they use those to justify slavery anyway. So I think they're able to, they've always historically cherry-picked. And if you're not human, which is like the main factor of this, then none of the good stuff in the Bible applies to you. There was also this passage that I saw um, in the book when it said that a lot of Christians think that good will just come because like God's going to do it mm. eventually. Mm. Not knowing that, you know, as the church, what are you here for? You're here mm. to enact the godly good mm. where you can. So to a lot of people, it wasn't their concern, like, oh, yeah, one day, like, one day we'll get their rights, innit? Yeah. And I think that's a very big problem within the church. There's this passive nature mm-hmm. that has come because you don't want to have the hard conversations. Yeah, good will win in the end, but, you know, it's your job to be the good that you want to see in the world. Jesus wouldn't sit back and let this happen, but everyone's mm-hmm. fine with letting this happen. Um, I think he also, like kind of says this idea i think mlk says um there are social issues with which um he says sorry yeah he says that he's heard many ministers say um there are social issues within which the gospel has no real concern so a lot of ministers kind of have this idea that the church is very separate from not i don't want to say real life but like society and the issues that society has and often even you see it today like I think a lot of churches and a lot of Christian leaders think that religion and the church is just separate from everything that happens outside and they have no business doing any kind of activism or any social work that concerns the people that they're preaching to. But that's what I don't get. How is segregation loving your neighbour? That's the thing. I don't know. There is no way in which you can wrap it that makes it correct. Mm. I know. But, like, that sort of reminds me of this interview that Tupac did with um, MTV at some point. No, because, like, mm-hmm. when, I did this, when I did this for History A-Level, like, they played it, and, like, he essentially was saying sort of what Kiki said about how, like, Christianity has caused complacency within the black, the black community as well in the sense of instead of, like, doing active, like, work to, like, change racism and stuff, it sort of resulted in this God will do it when, when it's time to do it. So it's just you sit back, you obey... And then eventually, hopefully, God will make a way for you to, like, gain equality and stuff like that. And I think that's such a toxic mindset to have because, like, you need to have action plus religion. Like, I don't think Christianity absolves you from taking any action to, like, better yourself or your life. In fact, God always... He basically always says that you should start something and he'll add to it. Mm -hmm. How do you expect God to work on nothing? It doesn't make any sense. Like, prayer is one aspect of it, but you need to do stuff as well to actively make change. Which is why, um, that was actually one of my favourite things um, I read in the text, where he was basically talking about, like, how um, the leaders of the white church would use time and, like, tell, like, telling the protesters and everything, like, oh, wait, just wait on the Lord, like, he'll, like, the time will come for your injustices to end and everything. And then MLK was basically, like, um, he said, actually, time itself is neutral. It can be either used destructively or constructively. Mm. And I think the 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 waiting period... And that's not to say that in Christianity, you always go full speed ahead and don't wait. But yeah. I feel like in something as pressing as this, um, the whole idea of, oh, just wait on God, just wait on God's timing, wait on God's timing, God's timing, all of that jazz, um, was destructive in the sense that the white church was using it as an excuse to not be involved mm. and um, to, I'm going to say, to protect their own 
standard in society because, 100%. like, he even says that the, there were some white church leaders and ministers and everything that would help them and would be thrown in jail um, with them, called nigger lovers, all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I found that really interesting in the way he speaks about time. And then he goes on to say, my, like, one of my favourite quotes that's written in this text, I know Mariana highlighted it as well, that um, we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. <laughs> like, I don't think I've read anything more profound in a while because then it made me even think about myself and I was like even in this day and age there are certain injustices that I see and everything like not to say oh posting on social media is the best way to show you that you're like an activist and whatnot but I just feel like there are even certain injustices that go on in the world at this time and I just think to myself like it's not me actively perpetrating it but what am I doing Mm. um in my position of power in a in a quote-unquote first world western country mm. um with all the privileges that i have going to cambridge all of that jazz mm. to like help end this or like do you know what i mean yeah. um like i just found that really fascinating um and just on the topic of um like how everybody has said this whole thing of waiting on god and you actually need to make the first move and everything he also said another quote that like for me, bang, just in my own Christian life where it was just like, mm. um, human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men willing to be co-workers with God. Mm. I was like, whoa. It's a beautiful phrase. Honestly, like the phrasing of it in, in and of itself was amazing, but like the actual message behind it, I think is applicable to all aspects. If we even just put aside the topic of race right now, and we just think about like ourselves and our own Christian lives. Mm. I think it's such a, it's such a, amazing thing to apply to our individual lives in the sense of, we can't sit around and just wait for, good to come when we are surrounded by bad. Like, 100%. as a Christian, I don't, and which is which is what I didn't understand about the white church's reasoning for not, getting involved in, the civil rights movement and bringing an end to injustice to black people even after slavery i just think as a as a christian morally does it not physically hurt you to see what's mm. going on not like even me i see what's going on in the world and i just think like god please yeah. like have mercy on your people like it's just a basic human do you know what i'm saying yeah, like, it, that's what i'm saying like, as a as a human in and of itself like would you not feel that hurt but then as a christian who has studied the word and all of this jazz like how do you not look at the injustices that's happening on your own doorstep mm-hmm. and think I'm in a position to help this and I'm I'm actively choosing not to but then I guess that comes to the whole idea of people in positions of power will never ever relinquish their power 100%. so I think it's also a thing of like a lot of people have forsaken religious morality for legal morality so there's a mm-hmm. part in the book where he says um he basically says that people are willing to be complacent because um, it's legal even though it's morally wrong mm, and yeah. he calls them out for it because he's like you lot who have your moral consciousness is all over the place exactly. because you you want to stand for legal rights but moral wrongdoings mm. what the hell does that mean and then he even went and said that everything that Hitler did in Germany was legal which it was 100%. so I don't know I think just the convictions of the church and the sort of pledge to legal morality 
was one thing that was just very must have been very frustrating at the time especially for MLK because everyone's actually just, like they were actually just watching him go and do all that not understanding not choosing not to understand mm, I think um, within Christianity generally there are a lot of like teachings that people re- not take to heart but like really follow and there's some that they really don't follow they cherry really picking. actively yeah, leave it out that yeah that cherry picking and it's like that oh um you should follow the law give what is owed to caesar that all of that mm. um i think a lot of people stick by that and then don't realize there are other verses that would contradict what is happening within the law so I think, yeah, it's that what Marina was saying, that all of the things that happened in Nazi Germany were, were legal. Mm-hmm. So does that make them right? No, of course it doesn't. But yeah. It's like where he says, um, where he's talking about unjust laws. And yeah, he, would, he, where he says, I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. I just mm-hmm. think, I know the Bible says follow the laws of the land, but if the laws of the land said be killing any, anybody on sight, if the laws of the land said the purge, yeah, yeah exactly. Jesus would not say, okay. I'll forgive you. Because it's the, the like, law. Like, yeah. You got the loopholes. In it, like, it, it's, it's so fascinating the way sometimes that people within Christianity look for loopholes to justify what they're doing. Like, how, how do you know it's wrong, but you're actively searching for loopholes mm. to, to justify the wrong that you are enabling? Like, literally. It's because, like, again, you have to view whiteness as something that is like, actively reinforced, something that's actively maintained. Like, normally, like, we look at how um, blackness is something that is constructed, but whiteness is 100% something that is just as constructive. Even the diligence that went into constructing whiteness and the narrative behind it is incredible. Like, Steve Biko um, talks about, um, like, white saviorism. And essentially, white people, like, saying, oh, like, sorry, my hands are tied. Mm-hmm. Or, like, doing trivial, surface-level, like, um, work on, like, you know, anti-racism and stuff, while still pulling from the pool of white privilege. And, like, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says it in, like, one of his, like, writings and stuff. And it's so sick because it's so true. Like, white people will claim to be good. They'll do the littlest or, like, the smallest actions that they can to absorb themselves, which we see a lot now in influencer culture with black squares and stuff mm. like that. And in reality, they will not do anything that will fundamentally shake up their social positioning. They will never do that, which is what they'll always prioritise, that, and because their social position, positioning will always be protected legally, that's where the prioritisation of legality over like an actual moral compass comes in as well. Because legality is directly linked to their position in society. Legality is constructed to protect whiteness, not anything else. Mm. So you would have to back the thing that backs you. Like, there's no way that you're going to go for something that's morally, objectively right when that could undo your core positioning in society. Literally, if I'm white and racism is gone, everything for me changes. Yeah. Every Mm. single thing, everything that I think makes me special, everything that I've been taught changes. It's gone vanquished like even christianity jesus isn't white but yet we dep- we see him depicted as such on posters and signs of the cross and all that kind of stuff literally everything about you religion family education everything changes that like, you're not going to want that mm. so yeah it's true in their heart of hearts as much as 
so many white people may say they want racism to end. Do you really know what racism ending will mean for you? Exactly. We don't yeah. even know. That's the problem. That's we don't, exactly. Exactly. We don't, we don't even know. know. Master's tools will not dismantle master's, master's house. I actually need to read that. It's actually just chilling on my shelf. But MLK yeah. does say, um, talk about the white moderate. He says, the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, mm. who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Mm. Oh, do you know I had that page open right now? It's the fact that you should have even said the, the bit before it about... The, Sorry. Ne- the Negro's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom oh, yeah, is so. not the white citizens council up or the Ku, the Ku Klux Klan, but the white moderate who is moderate. Because it's actually so true. Like, mm. yeah. at least at least KKK is actively seeking blood. At least then you know to actively avoid them. Yeah. But it's the fact that I it's something I never understand as well. Even like here in Cambridge, where people are like, oh no, like I'm not racist, I'm not racist, but. But, what's the but? Yeah, just, that, but? As soon as you add but, yeah, that just be man. racist. Like, yeah. As soon as you add but, hear my man. <laughs> hear my man. Because what, what are you butting? Yeah, like, in the sense of, uh, when people be talking about, no, I understand, like, the movement of Black Lives Matter, I get, I understand the goal, but like, if you guys did it more peacefully and mm. if you guys did, I, I, I get the goal I, I'm behind you on the goal I'm just not behind you on the on the methods and I'm thinking in this in this scenario like in this context in this situation in particular that MK is talking about um, it doesn't make sense to me in the sense that the way he talks about how the white people would basically be like I understand and I agree with you on your goal but I can't agree with your methods of action my methods of action where I'm peacefully marching down the street where I'm, when I'm, where I'm sitting in, like, and this is why sometimes I agree with Helena in this whole Malcolm X, yeah, fan and burn it all down. Oh, okay, you like, said it again. here. He said freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. So take it. Never. Why? Let's take it. It will never be an option. It will never be a thing of oh, you protested peacefully. Oh, here you go. That's exactly. fine. If if that was the case. Look at where we would be now. If you listeners want to join me in taking back control here, meet me at like Hyde Park on like May 24th at 12 p.m. <laughs> Let's go and start a revolution. No, but literally that's so true. Mm. Like that's why I agree with Malcolm X. He didn't say like just go and like kill white people. That's not what he said. But he just said if someone does violence to you, do violence back. Because there's no other language that these people understand. Even mm. um, Amy Cazare said Bannon, something Bannon. along those lines. Bannon said something I was literally, along those lines. I literally Bannon. reading it in an article today because my poll, my poll fact I said this time is on decolonization, and it was just talking about the fact that, um, like Fanon talking about using violence mm-hmm. as. The language no, of the yeah, oppressor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only language the oppressor and the, the oppressor language drawn, yeah. like mm. bayonet signs. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, mm. Bob Wyatt. Yeah. Mm. See, Fanny. All yeah. they know is control, all they know is violence. So, how can I now speak to you in a language Peace. of violence? That's something yeah. that, mm. that you've never wanted. You'll yeah. never understand it. But, I mean, that's I guess that's where like I rate MLK in his like adherence to the Christian faith mm. in the sense of like knowing that. Christianity does not promote violence in that sense. Mm. Um, so even though tech, even though technically they had a right to, I'm about to swear, I, I don't know, <laughs> to mess everything up. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say. Even, yeah, even though Helen, you can say it for me. Fuck shit up. Even though they had every right to do that, I think the adherence to the Christian belief that you should move 
with love and with peace mm. um, is amazing for me. And I think it's kind of made me like, evaluate myself and the way that I interact with people because to the most, to, in comparison, such a small scale, like, mm. I just think to myself, when people do me wrong, how do I respond to them? Mm. Um, but yeah, that was more of a personal. But also, I think it like speaks to the different modes of liberation that we can have. I don't think that one has to cancel out the other. Mm. So even though I agree with like using violence when violence is necessary, I also don't condemn like civil disobedience or like peaceful methods because I feel like you do need like to attack racism from all sides. It like does that make sense mm. and. As much as I like to say violence this, violence that, violence isn't going to change anyone's heart and mind. Mm. So, like, unless you're willing to kill everyone... Whip people until they listen. Bro, mm. unless you're willing to do that, I don't think that's the only method that you but can mm. use if you want to, like, live in a society with said people. Yeah, like, unless then, you're trying to segregate, but... I feel like even then, the use of violence in that context would have even, like, entrenched the notion they have of black people. Exactly. It so, doesn't fit every yeah, situation. Yeah, I don't think it, it would have it wouldn't have been conducive to the narrative they were trying to portray of, like, black people not being aggressive people or, like, barbaric and this, that and the other. Um, but I don't think that there's any, like, there's any way in which anything, like, let's say they use peaceful method. well, let's say black people didn't do anything, then they're too stupid and lazy to act up. They use violence. Yeah. Then, like, there's mm, not really a way that we can them. win. Yeah. Go and do something then if it's that bad type of thing. But, um, to yeah, be honest, do what you want and hopefully pray it works. <laughs> to be quite works. honest. I think do... all methods that work together. Like, yeah. I think I think civil disobedience, because I remember, like, I definitely wrote an essay about this in A-level, about civil disobedience versus, like, violence and things. I think civil disobedience is good for, A, like, bringing attention to the issue, like, because it's so clear that, like, in a sitting... I'm clearly not the aggressor. Mm. There's no way that you can, like, contort this and make it seem like I'm the violent one. So it's like a clear depiction of where the violence is coming from, where the hatred, where all of the oppression is coming from. Like, it's such a clear depiction of it. It's also good for, again, sympathy. Like, changing hearts, changing minds, because, well, the minds that want to be changed. We're just talking about the white liberals who don't want to do anything. But the people who would be moved by it will be moved by it. So that's another thing, like... To just to switch directions a little bit. Mm. Um, Go on, Tiki. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people... A lot of white people don't understand the effects of racism or, like, the day-to-day mm. content of what racism is. I don't think white people is. understand racism, full stop. Yeah, they don't. And I don't think they want to. They don't. Ignorance is bliss. A hundred and ten percent. There's this bit where um, he talks about, like, segregation and says how oh, it's easy for people that have never experienced it to say, wait, well, yes. your time is coming. 100%. And he describes this bit, and I think I, I highlighted it. He said, when it's hard when you have to concoct an answer for a five-year-old, for a five-year-old son who is asking, Daddy, why do um, white people treat coloured people so mean? Mm. That's mad. I don't think white people understand that a lot of black parents have to explain to their children why society treats them the way they do. Yeah. I think, I don't think it's that they don't understand that um, black people, I feel like, come on, I feel like now, if I was like a, like a white person in like, America, for example, you don't understand mm. that 
a black parent is having to tell their child this is the way this country is going to treat you um you're joking. I think they know. They know, but like but they, they don't, don't under like they don't understand. Like they don't take it on. It's a lot. No, I think it's just another like protection thing. Yeah, it's just protection. Like if if I acknowledge that, then it means that I have to now teach my kid as well. Mm. And it's like, why must I do that? It's it's literally not their problem. It's not their reality. So why should mm. I now have to include your reality and my reality? Yeah, that's why when Nickelodeon, I saw Nickelodeon played George Floyd. Well, like they they played breathing for nine minutes, I think, yes. which is yes, the time it took I George Floyd to die. And then the way parents went crazy, they're like, so now I have to explain why Nickelodeon put a black screen mm. and breathing for nine minutes to my kid who shouldn't yeah. have to like, but they should, because as a black kid, you're getting shot and killed. So why is it that white kids can't learn about their effects, even like subliminally in school? Like, white kids perpetuate racial stereotypes, exactly. beliefs, all of that stuff. Like, I can literally think of comments made in nursery where it's like, oh, fuck, like, you're actually drawing from systemic racism. And obviously, you don't know that until you're older. And I mm. think, oh, that comment about my hair was actually a bit mad. Yeah. But all of those things still affect you as a black kid. And you're forced to grow up in that environment. So I think white kids should have to, like, obviously learn the same things, which they don't want to do. Mm because then it ruins everything again. One of the things, um, facets of white supremacy is the coddling of white people. That's why whenever you talk to them about like slavery or something, their world is rocked. They're they're crying, they're they're going, oh my gosh. I'm sorry, I have to add, not people in my degree, but our degree. Basically, in our degree, yeah, we do a lot of like, no, I'm sorry, because it it actually actively makes me angry. We do a lot of like black, like, um, like topics and things in like sociology. So like, in a lot of those things, yeah, where we're with, like, obviously white people who haven't, like, experienced racism or anything, and they always come out and they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry you go through that. Or, like, they'll come and cry to me about their experience. And it's like, I think that's so rude. Like, I'm so sorry, but what do you want me to do? Comfort you. How can I comfort you? This is my reality and you're coming to me to cry. But if I'm not there and you're with your white friends, will you actively say anything if the M-word is said it in the group chat or if something said that's a little bit iffy? Like, I don't know why you're coming to the person who's oppressed to come and cry to me and tell me that you're sorry when you're the one with power. I don't know what you want me to do with that. Like, I can't comfort you. You won't find help here. I won't tell you to stop crying. I'll tell you to probably continue because, like... This is your issue from your people and you need to actually sort it out. Like, don't come to me and cry. What am I supposed to do about it? Mm. So, I'm sorry, but if you're re- if you're hearing this and you take my degree, hear my words. Don't come and cry to me about racism, about anything. Because what do you want me to do? The only reason why I didn't sit and cry is because this is my reality every day. If I was going to cry any time a racist incident happened to me, I'd be crying forever. I'd be crying for my whole life. I've only been alive 20 years and I've already lived enough of it. So don't ever come in your life to cry to a black person about stuff that you need to change. It's on your side. Sorry, I just had to say that. Mm, no, what's the speech? Helena X right came in. out. Wow. Helena X. X came out. Wow. Is that where she's been hiding? Yeah. <laughs> she's been holding that one in for time. No, no but it's true. Ever. But yeah. I agree with yeah, everything yeah, yeah, she that, said. That. Just yeah. in the sense of like, as, in the sense of like, it's, it's you with the power. Would, yeah. like, would you honestly want me to come and do 
Anyway, I think she said everything we need to say. Yeah, quite honest. She got it. She, <laughs> she got it. Honest. Good days in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my no. gosh! Oh my face! Wow. Oh, there was a bit that really interested me. Um, I think this one is mainly about the church, mm. but um. Every day I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. That yes. is very yes. interesting. And I think that applies very much today as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think a lot of churches understand how much young people are turning away from... The, well, not understand how much, but understand why so many people, young people are turning mm. away from the church. And mm. I think they need to look inward within themselves. 100%. And reevaluate their own standpoints their teaching methods i don't know something because there's a lot and i can't lie you can't be blaming on the society of today this mm-hmm. this that and there's a reason why and i think a lot of churches need to do some introspection 100 mm. 100 if you're a pastor and you're listening we mean this with love <laughs> we do we do but genuine genuinely like i think like, I definitely agree with Kiki. There, really, there does need to be a bit of intro- introspection within the church. Like, even even if I want to speak personally for myself, like, I look at my church sometimes and I just think, do I really want to go back? Just because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with the way Christ is preached in the church mm-hmm. or, like, the actual religious teachings I'm being taught in the church. But the way the church conducts itself mm-hmm. is... is it's like, it's like how you'll be taught in Christianity, oh, don't just profess god with your mouth but i like, actually live a life where other people mm. can see god you as a church you can't tell me to do that and then be preaching god but 90 percent of the people in the church are gossiping gossiping about each other exactly. cussing each other out like not actually helping the growth of the youth in the church it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me and that's where i feel like the church needs to be introspective and look at the like what as an institution it is doing Mm. Um, as opposed to like what it's teaching mm. I think the church needs to like not necessarily get with the times because I think that you know the teachings of Christ aren't like was it just like adaptable to time if that makes yeah, sense they're like, yeah honest. they're like yeah. eternal but I mean like I don't think you can take it completely away from like its social context Oh, 100%. Yeah. so I think like Okay, as a black woman in church, I hear a lot about how I'm supposed to treat my husband. Mm-hmm. I don't think the men in the church hear enough about how they're supposed to treat their wives. <clears throat> like, I don't need to be taught every day that I should submit and I should do this and I should do that. Like, it's not that I intended to go into marriage just being like <laughs> completely like just free and like not caring. But I also think that values. I feel like the prioritization of like women today it has changed. I feel like that should also be something that's taught in the church that like, it doesn't have to be marriage. Like here's one thing, but also like here's how you should move in your career, or here's how you should move in like other aspects of your life, mm. like stuff that isn't directly just tied to the family because that's not everyone's destiny. So if that's my only goal in life according to the Bible, then what do I do if I don't want a family? If I don't want children? If I don't want to get married. Mm. That's like, why I have to give it to HT. Like, their series on, like, growing up in life. And mm. we, we haven't been yet, but it seems like it's going to be... 
one just, that just is, the fact oh, that they have it they for have the, it yeah they for have the people it. Have it. what's ht oh, oh ht is holy trinity it's holy trinity in cambridge cambridge yeah oh sorry, sorry i was thinking i was thinking <laughs> church but i'm like i don't know it's it's literally just a church we go to yeah. um in uni great church amazing church can only say good things about the church um at one point uncle says that groups tend to be more immoral than individuals Mm. and i think that's where a lot of people will go and let their own personal responsibility like not personal they'll let their responsibility slide Mm. because they'll be like cool so let's say i'm a white christian now oh okay cool well i'm not calling someone a nigga i'm not setting my dogs on anyone I'm not hosing people down, so I'm great. You know, mm, Billy time. Bob, the neighbor, yeah. is hosing people down, mm. but I'm not Billy Bob. Yeah, mm. it's easier to hide in groups. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's why. I mean, that's something that people don't understand because groups are more immoral than individuals. If I was to not like a group, it's a mechanism of preservation mm. and i think that applies to the church as well like some people do not like the church because yeah as a group yeah the church has done things like let segregation slide mm. which can which has caused a lot of dislike with groups like like with black people i know in the black community there's there's a proportion of that community that doesn't feel like they can reconcile with the church mm. because of the things that the church has let slide whilst, you know, every Sunday you're preaching love thy neighbour, mm. but you're watching someone pour acid into the swimming pool that I'm in. Mm. But it's also because of the way, like, the history of, like, the church is taught as well. So, like, as a black person, it's hard for me to think, well, like, objectively, I don't really think this is me, but as like maybe like black people in general, it's probably hard for you to reconcile with Christianity being your your religion when you're taught that it was brought by colonizers to your yeah. country. Does that make sense? So it's like the whole foundation of which I was taught this religion was for the the sole purpose of oppressing, stealing from my land, like killing people who look like me for economic profit. So it's hard for me to then reconcile that with, you know, the, like the teachings of the Bible, because it's like, how could these same people come and do this to our countries or like enslave black people in America, and yet this is the same religion that I'm supposed to subscribe to, mm. like years later? Like it's hard, but um, I don't know. I also think that there's been a whitewashing of that history because Christianity mm. was in Africa before. Yeah, white colonizers brought it. So I think also it's the equation of like whiteness to Christianity that also needs to be dismantled before. Like, a lot of black people are comfortable mm. being Christian. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, a subscription to Christianity for some people feels like a subscription to, like, complicity. And white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. and white supremacy. And to be honest, so it's hard to it. overcome that when, like, you you didn't know that, oh, Christianity was in Africa before. Or, like, oh, that obviously Jesus isn't white. It's just yeah. a, the mechanism of racism that causes him to be depicted as such. Mm. And all those kind of things that you need to dismantle. But even being black and Catholic is long. Because the, the things that the Catholic Church has like, actively said throughout history, they 
um, they didn't condemn, condemn apartheid. They supported it right up until the last second. They supported colonization. They were they were one of the like loudest voices in saying that black people were subhuman and all of that. They've supported every single thing done to black people has been supported by the Catholic Church at some point in history. And so to be black and Catholic is long day. <laughs> but like, I'm sorry, no, I but the history of it is mad, and it's the bad that the Catholic Church will actively, as in the Pope, will come out and say some things. Like, if you actually read the history of the Catholic Church, it's so hard for me. Even though Christianity, like, is sort of the same thing, we don't have one figurehead. Yeah, that like mm. speaks for all of us. The Catholic Church does. So when they've said some things throughout history, supported colonization, all of them things actively, it's like it's been completely mad. It's only in recent times where they haven't. But even as recent as apartheid, apartheid ended in the 1990s. Bro, how can you sit in the 90s with the World Wide Web and Will Smith Bro, and you're saying, let's segregate legally? The World Wide Web and Will Smith. <laughs> and Will Smith. <laughs> yes. Steve. You have Denzel Washington doing what he's doing. And what? you're saying yes to segregates? Oh, it doesn't make any sense. Do better, sense. man. Do better. So it's also trying to reconcile that. But I know that we're probably going to try wrap this up. But just one last thing I wanted to say yeah, was fun. on like... Um, the, like attacking of black safe spaces mm. like the point um the black church in america especially like just doing it within the context of letter from birmingham jail like yeah um it's like such an important like staple in the black community mm-hmm. um especially in the south like it's a place where it's supposed to be safe where you're supposed to commune with god it's supposed to be a place away from racism yeah because you're supposed to like be able to talk to your fellow brother and sister without thinking well, you can think of that oppression, but without, like, that oppression on your doorstep, does that make sense? And um, it's, like, a spiritual escape from, like, a physical reality that, like, you have no control over. Does that make sense? And, um, like, white racists and, like, Ku Klux Klan would, like, actively attack black churches because they knew what it meant. So it's that also, like, moral, like, attacking and breaking down of like the black psychology like Mm. you think this is a safe space for you i'm here to tell you it's not i'm here to tell you that like the god that you pray to he won't protect you because i can still come and kill you like it's that psychological attack that's like meant to let black people know that you're not safe anywhere like Mm. religion physically spiritually anywhere that we can get you and um there's this case where like um four black girls were killed in a bombing in alabama and angela davis writes about it because like she lived next door or like was like a few doors down from one of the girls who was killed in that bombing Mm. and that was something that ruined well not ruined but like really shook up that community because again obviously no one was arrested yeah and it's like these four girls just went to church like they, they were supposed to come home from that and instead they were blown to pieces and even most recently not most recently but um that white boy who killed um Nine. D- uh, yeah yeah I think his name is Dylan something we don't no, care about his name yeah, yeah we don't name. care he's just I'm just trying to remember if there's the anybody that's subhuman is him yeah but um like when like yeah so we know who I'm talking about mm-hmm. hopefully yeah, hopefully yeah. they know who I'm talking about but even that it's like a very how can you sit in the service listen and then kill open people fire. after. Open nine fire people. after. Nine people. Is that, nine. Is that the nine. one that Crazy. Um, Childish Gambino uses in his song? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I think so. I'm so like, my as a Christian, if we see that you're like, like, what can I gain from Christianity then? Like, it's, it's hard for me to reconcile my like religion or like trying to have a safe space with 
the prevalence of like white supremacy mm. and how it could like come at any moment like it's so insidious and for him to sit and listen to the preaching, when I heard that, I was like, whoa. So it's not even like he walked in. He sat for the service. Yeah. You would think he would have been touched by the spirit at any point, but no, the demons inside of him work your overtime, bruv. Like, it was it's such a crazy concept to me. But yeah, I think the intentional attacking of black spaces is like a really important aspect in the breaking down of the black psychology and causing like submission and like hopelessness. Mm. Like and if you're hopeless, you're not going to like actively fight for something because you think there's no point. Like I just have to wait to go to heaven because on earth there's nothing for me here. So all of those stuff come into play, in my opinion. Which is why I think it's just it's very fascinating. Um, just that everything that MLK articulates in this text, however long ago this was said, it's it's all still relevant that mm. today. And that's why I can I personally conclude that racism will never end. But if you're Christian listen, and racist, if, <laughs> if you're Christian and racist, you better watch out. Judgment How like can long. you even put that title on yourself of Christian? Christian and racist. And racist. How does that work? Judgment Day will be a long day for right. you. You can call yourself Christian outwardly, but really and truly. You know, this is why. I, this is why. Anyway. This is why I used to hate animals. You know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. This is this why I used to hate animals. Because I'd see white people give more sympathy to a dog than they would oh, to a black girl. That's true. It used to actively anger me. I'd yeah. be like, how could you care so much about an animal where black people are literally being choked on the street and you would not show this thing? Yeah. But you eating animal meat? Yeah. That's where like, I draw the line. You used to, I, I used to think all that I used to think all white people's pets should die. Like I used to <laughs> It's not me that's laughing. Yeah, I'm sorry because I was like, is that that, that the only thing that causes you pain? Then calm, like, because it doesn't make any sense to me how you could watch, like, animals or, like, even, like, I don't know, endangered species and have more sympathy for that when black people are literally being hunted like animals and you don't have the same call to action, you don't have the same sympathy, empathy, none of that kind of stuff, like, you know the way white people react disconnect. if dogs get sh- like shot or something. Even oh, like Olympic the dog, they'll take them home, like wash them, take them to the vet, make sure they're okay. If a black person is there bleeding out on the street, no wait, hold on. Let them There's even a the difference. Street. White people will they will love their their dogs, their domestic pets, but let them go fly out to South Africa. They're gonna go safari, start killing killing innocent rhinos, killing that's giraffes. That's actually true. They only have that's a respect. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually true. I guess we've come to the end of the episode then. We have. Um, An interesting episode it was. In yeah. essence, read Letter from Birmingham Jail. It's only 30 pages long. If it rocks like, long, ah, had a lot of in the In the Penguin Modern text that you can get for literally one pound off Amazon, it is literally 30 mini pages long. Yeah. If you like want a PDF, shall we put a PDF in um, uh, our link? Yeah, it would be sick if like we had the PDF of all the texts that we have. Yeah, I think we can do that. That we cite um, so you guys can read them. Yeah, we'll put it in our the link in our bio if you want to have a read. It's literally like a eight nine page PDF. It's not long at all. You guys can have a read and let us know your thoughts and ideas. Yeah. But until next time, thanks for listening. Been lovely talking to y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.